and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Podcasting Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prever. I got one word for you, Kevin. Onions. Onions. Not just synonymous as a, as a topping for a burger, but synonymous with big-time basketball shots in March and look no further than Cameron Winters. Last second uh, buzzer beater for Penn State to take down the ranked Maryland Terrapins. Uh, you got to love when Penn State basketball is relevant again. Yeah, and after, <clears throat> excuse me, after last weekend, that stinker against Rutgers, we can probably get into that a little bit later. Um, they needed a big week. They went on the road, beat Northwestern, had Maryland. Uh, we had them right where they, they had them right where they wanted them, uh, down 15 uh, in the second half is right where you want to be. Um, but hey, the comeback happened and looks like they're going to go dancing. Yeah, and they should. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the cool thing about this team is they have every – I think they're very deserving. You know, I'm a big-time Carolina basketball fan. I watched them struggle against Duke Saturday night. Not very thrilled about it by any means. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at those programs and nobody would have expected Penn State to be where they're at, right? And nobody would have expected North Carolina to be where they're at they they made it to the national championship game last year with returning four of their five starters from last year's team. They might not make it to the tournament. Whereas Penn State, they win two games in the tournament. I think they're very well in, and they probably don't even get to go to Dayton. They go straight to the tournament, don't even have to deal with the first four. And kudos to Coach Shrewsbury and the job that they've done because guess what? This team is is playing some really good basketball right now. Yeah, they are. And I saw they saw they had a stat up in the game at that point. Jalen Jalen Pickett had 14 points. The rest of the team had 18 points. Uh, the rest of the team was shooting eight for 23. And then from that moment forward, Jalen Pickett only shot one more time. He made it. And then the rest of the team went 14 of 20. So the broadcast was talking like Jalen Pickett can't do this all by himself. Something's got to give. Everybody else has to show up. And they did. So. I mean, it's gritty. They were down. Let's see. They ended the game on a 20 to seven run over the last five minutes and 54 seconds. So Andrew Funk hit a couple big threes. They had a, um, I think Maryland ended up shooting a couple free throws and then they had like just two quick threes Another Andrew Funk and then um, Miles Dredd. I mean, what a game for him. His last home game, he's played in 148 games and 11 points, four rebounds and three assists in 24 minutes off the bench. You, you, what a way to go out. No, absolutely. And, I mean, this is Jalen Pickett's team. I think he's one of the top players in all of college basketball. Obviously, he's on the wooden watch list. Um, and and very. I think he has a very good chance uh, to win it, depending on how Penn State plays the rest of the season, especially in the tournament. But the way that Cameron Winter is playing right now, he is the glue to this team. That's not just, you know, this week uh, – or, I'm sorry – Sunday's game, but also the game against Northwestern where he drills another buzzer beater. This guy is playing some lights out basketball and that's exactly what Penn state needs. They need guys like him, Seth Lundy, Andrew Funk to take that burden off of Pickett because teams are going to key on Pickett. They're going to make everybody else around him beat them. And when Penn state's able to do that, man, they are a dangerous, dangerous team. 
Yeah, and you mentioned it, Seth Lundy. I'm thankful this is his last game at Beaver State at uh, Beaver Stadium. Look at me uh, at Bryce Jordan Center. He was 0 for 4 today from three. Uh, last week against Rutgers, 0 for 11. But on Wednesday at Northwestern, he went four for nine. So I feel like he's just snake bitten in Bryce Jordan Center. Obviously, big Big Ten tournaments in Chicago. So hopefully, hopefully he can drain some threes there. If not, it's they have what probably Illinois coming up on Thursday. They beat him twice this year. Um, if Seth Lundy is there, Cam Renter's obviously going to play a part, but hopefully he can start get going because his last two games at Bryce Jordan Center were kind of stinkers. Yeah, and listen, it, it's all now. It's survive in advance, so you know you don't want to see your season end in a Big Ten tournament. You want to see your you don't want to see your season end in general. But that this game, we we, we talk about the players, we talk about the quality wins. That's their fifth quad one win. And what that means is they have more than Duke. They definitely have more than teams like Carolina. And when you are when you have more quality victories than teams like that, it kind of makes you, you know, forget about some of the lesser performances of some of those teams because, or some of those players because all that matters is that you win. And I think what Penn State is doing and, and the products they're putting out there is just what the doctor has ordered. Yeah, and this is kind of this is the game that you want to end the season on, or the last two games. You know, you go to Northwestern. I didn't watch it, but sixty-eight, sixty-five, so close game. And then today was basically the first tournament game for them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If they don't win, then they're playing on Wednesday. Then they're going into Thursday on their back foot versus playing a well-rested team who's going to have four days. Now they're going to be the you know they're going to have four days of rest equal with Illinois. And they they just showed themselves that, you know, down 12 with six minutes left and they can come back and get it. So that's kind of like almost like in hockey, like the hot team is, is the team you want to be going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Hey, with a win like that, you're like, OK, yeah, we can do whatever the heck we want, because. I mean, that's only the second time that's their only second ranked win. And the other two opponents that they played that were ranked the entire year were Purdue. So it's kind of a bad, bad down year in terms of rankings for the Big Ten. But hey, hopefully they can ride this wave of momentum and they win a couple, maybe win one, maybe two games of the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully they get a decent seed in the turn in the in the Big Dance. Yeah, and I think that's I, I would imagine they're going to be a, either a ten or eleven seed, which isn't bad for Penn State. I mean, it, it took Chambers quite a, quite a while to get to the Big Ten or to the NCAA tournament, and Shrewsbury's got them on the doorstep. In year two, and this, and I, and I think we forget what Shrewsbury inherited last year. The fact that he was able to get some of these guys to stay uh, is is really impressive. But not just stay, but to continue to fight and play for him the way that they have both this year and last year, I think speaks volumes to the guy that Shrewsbury is uh, and the coach that he is as well. And and you can just tell that the way that he fights for his players and his accountability. It, it, like when they lose, it's on him. And there are times where he does get out coached. And he is the first person to admit that. And when you have that type that type of transparency, that is huge, huge for respect, both in and out of the pro- inside and outside of the program. But also, it it shows that he's all about his players, and he's not afraid to to take the blame when it's on him, and he's not afraid to share the blame when it's on them as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I turn the program around. They're going to get to the tournament this year, hopefully. And hopefully they can retain him because 
next year's gonna be a pivotal year. How many what four of the five guys are seniors this year? So big roster turner. They're gonna go from probably the oldest team in the Big Ten to probably one of the youngest. So we'll see what they we'll see what next year holds too. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he's got. And now he's starting to get his recruits in into the fold. Uh and so it'll be interesting to see kind of what's next for the program. But you mentioned some old heads, so we're gonna talk a little bit more about some older Penn State guys who are showing off their skills at the NFL Scouting Scouting Combine when we come back from this break on the Nifty Sports Now Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast. He is Kevin. I am Jared. Kevin, I don't know how you feel about the 40-yard dash, but I know that if I tried to do that right now, every ligament in my body would snap, crackle, and pop like a bowl of Rice Krispie treats. Um, but there are guys out there that, you know, put on a show. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I go to the gym, but uh, I don't know if a full-out sprint down a 40-yard runway on the track is going to be is going to be any source of fun for me. I definitely pulled hamstring. I'll be out for four weeks. Um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't need electronic timing for me. I think you could just <laughs> really use a sundial. <laughs> Accurately time it with the hand stopwatch. Um, yeah, so six Penn Staters were there this week. Uh, obviously, Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, Britton Strange, Mitchell Tensley, P.J. Mustafer, and Juice Scruggs. Um, of those guys, probably... What Mustafer and Scruggs really needed a good, a good performance at the combine. I don't know if they got that. Um, the combine doesn't mean everything, but these it's the NFL draft. People, you only get seven picks a year, and teams are just going to pick you apart because if you only get to pick seven times, like you got to make them count. And there's what 250 some picks in the NFL draft. So, I mean. There's 120 teams in college football. If it everyone was equal, it's two or three players at a team. Obviously, it's not equal. So it's just one of those things. Like, it's just one more data point in the analysis for these scouts. And you really need to show out and have a good performance. So you talked to 40. Joey Porter Jr. had 4.46. Is that fast enough to be a corner? I think it is. There's not many receivers in the NFL that are 4.3 and faster. Um if you're playing corner, he's a press corner. All the scouts just talk about his strength, uh, being able to knock guys off their routes and whatnot. And like, that's where he's going to thrive. So any team that likes to play man in the NFL, that's what they're going to need. Um, so, yeah, I think, I don't think he lost anything in the combine this week. Um, but definitely I don't think Scruggs and Mustford did probably enough to get into those seven rounds. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, you look at Juice Scruggs, and you have to look at his whole body of work because remember he wasn't able to play for quite some time. So when he comes back and, and you know you expect him to to do this and do that and you know the way that he the fact that he's even able to play I think is is spectacular. But you know there's gonna they're gonna play at the next level. I, I don't know how it's gonna be in the draft. It's a crapshoot. Um, and we still as as great as the combine is, there's still pro day so they can take back to the drawing board what they are capable of what they did what they didn't do well test and, and work on that and then get to to a pro day 
And that's going to be huge for the Nittany Lions. That's going to be huge for those two, especially. But it'll be – it's always a crapshoot whenever, you know, different – I mean, you look at some of the top picks of all time, you look at Jamarcus Russell. He could throw the ball 75 yards on his knees, but dude could probably not read a children's book, so let alone an opponent's defense. My favorite uh, Jamarcus Russell story, sorry to interrupt you, uh, while we're on the topic, and then I'll let you go back to it. Uh, the Raiders gave him a tape one time because they didn't think he was watching it, and they are like, go home and watch this and tell us what it's about next the next day. So he comes back into the practice building the next day and goes, oh, yeah, that was about linebacker coverages. Uh, the Raiders sent him home with blank tapes. Yeah. There, oh, there's yeah. nothing on it. <laughs> Marcus Russell's story is my favorite. <laughs> Sorry. But, no, you're absolutely right. But that's that just goes to show the talent evaluators – I mean, you look at how many picks the Browns have blown on top picks, and here they are still struggling. So anything can happen in the draft. Typically, guys like Mustafer, guys like Scruggs, they're safe picks, but they're also picks that you might get away with signing as undrafted free agents. And it's just kind of one of those one of those things. That I think they do end up playing on Sundays, but at the same time, it's will they be drafted or won't they? Yeah, and I'm not trying to slide him at all, but I mean, and sometimes the sixth and seventh rounders don't make the team, but the guys who feel slighted in our UDAs or UDFAs, undrafted mm-hmm. free agents, those guys, they want to work more because they feel slighted. So, oh, you didn't pick me in the sixth or seventh round, but you told me you were going to, on day three, you told me you were just going to sign me as a UDFA and you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them training camp and show them. And really... You just got to get on a roster. Anything can happen come August. When you get to spring training, you get to OTAs in the off season. Like anything can happen. So, yeah, I just think they probably could have improved their stock a little bit. And the tape tape doesn't lie on a lot of those guys. And Juice Drugs is perfectly capable. Um, I think Mustafer is probably going to have a little bit. Mustafer is kind of just going to be really bad comparison because he's i don't think he's gonna ever be this good but it's kind of like an aaron donald type like he's not gonna kill the passing game but he's good he's a good run blocker uh you know he's not he might not be able to break a block but he's at least gonna stuff a gap so that's kind of where he is and really nfl is gonna kind of start shifting back to the running game a little bit here so it's gonna be important maybe he's a down one or down two guy and he doesn't play on third down so he just has they just have to get on a roster and get to camp yeah and i think that's where that's where they make their money in camp. Um, but they were obviously they weren't the only ones that performed. I thought the skill guys did okay. I didn't think they lit the world on fire. Um, I I love the compare. I love that people were talking about Joey Porter Jr. and his dad and the relationship with him and the Steelers. But you can talk about nepotism all you want. The kid has earned it. He is flat out one of the best corners in the country, and he showed that every Sunday he was on the field or every Saturday I should say. He was on the field for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, and if you take if you go to the Combine website, uh, they actually have him ranked as the 10th ranked cornerback based off his performances at the Combine for his athleticism. And then, like, I guess it's just like a compilation of tape and perceived skill. So uh, if you are going to the Combine website, take it with a grain of salt. Um, I think probably the best measurable that he has is six, two and a half. There's not a lot of lot. There's not a lot of the corners that are bet that long. And I. He's earned it. I mean, there are guys saying he could go as high as the Panthers, at, I think, what, number five or six, wherever they're drafting. So it's all an inexact science, and I don't think anyone has it mastered. So 
every team is good at drafting one position, maybe two positions, and then the rest it's kind of just like, man, I hope we get lucky here. And at the Browns, it's you know you can't draft a quarterback to save your life. So yeah, but they sure they sure can trade for one. Um, <laughs> but you know that's sometimes things are a little bit more hands on or hands off, and and here we are. But um, again, this isn't the first or the or this isn't the last time that we're going to see them on the field doing these tests. We're going to see them at pro day, and that's where I think these guys are going to really start to improve their stock. And, and be really, really um, setting themselves up for some future success. Yeah, and they also get that second chance to go look at their tape from the combat and be like, oh, or like just look at what the scouts are saying. Like, oh, he's got questionable footwork. He's slow out of the break. Uh, mm-hmm. PJ Mustard, they said he couldn't shed blocks and stuff like that. So it's like, all right, well, I got what? When's pro day? Probably a couple weeks from now, two or three weeks. I don't know if they set them yet. Um I got two or three weeks. Let me hit agility hard because I know I tested mm-hmm. well everywhere else. Let me go hit agility hard and see if I can improve that and maybe maybe wow somebody who's maybe was out on me. Yeah, and and that's the thing, you know. Let's see what happens. Again, it, the draft is a crapshoot, and and, and it, it truly is because you just never know what you're what you're gonna get, right? You could get a guy like Patrick Mahomes who really didn't light the world on fire at Texas Tech by any means, but here he is, perennial perennial Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. So there are so many options for them. But, again, it, Pro Day is, is where it's going to be all about. But this isn't – this is just the, the guys that used to be at Penn State. And there's another one who's already gone to the NFL, and uh, John Scott Jr., who's, who left Penn State to, to head to – to the Detroit Lions, and that was a, that kind of was a shocker to me. Yeah, it's really late in the cycle too, because um, Dan Campbell's still the coach of Detroit. It's not like they've had some big tumultuous change, you know, head coach change. Um, I don't think their defensive. I don't know who their defensive coordinator is. I probably should. Um, I don't think he had a change. You know what I mean? It's not like there was a lot of like a sudden event that happened, and that would have happened early January. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird timing there. Um, but I don't know a guy like Dion Barnes, who's on the team as an analyst and probably turned on some offers to go elsewhere. He's been the co-defensive line coach for a couple of years as well. So, I mean, there's a guy on the roster on the coaching roster to promote, but we'll see if they choose to do so. He is pretty young. I mean, he graduated Penn state in 2014. So, Hasn't been out of football that long. Hasn't been in coaching that long. So we'll see if they go there. If they see see if they go elsewhere. Yeah, and that'll be you know I, I wish them all the best. I, it'll be interesting to see kind of who they get to replace them. A name tossed around has been Justin Hines, who is the assistant defensive line coach for the Chicago Bears. Um, football Scoop came out with that over the weekend. Um, you know he's defensive line coach before at Central Michigan. Uh, and it, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, you're right. It is kind of late in the college cycle, at least. The NFL cycle is ever-changing uh, as coaches get into the, the new league year and, and really figure out what they really want, what their direction is, um, who their GMs want, and, and those sorts of things as they gear up for, for what's next. But, again, we thought that under Spence that things would go 
you know, we weren't quite sure how they would go, but they haven't lost a step. And Mustafer advocated for for Deion Barnes, and I don't think that's a, a that's a bad hire by any means. He's finally not a GA. He's finally able to coach. He's not an analyst. So he is an analyst, I believe. Um, but it, it's just one of those situations now where James Franklin, once again, has to pick an assistant. And this is a dude that is well-prepared for this. He's well-versed for what's next. He keeps a folder of guys, potential guys. So I don't think that it's any any reason to worry just yet. But – now it's a little bit different to to say, hey, we got to go out and find this guy and, and see what happens. Yeah, we sure do. So can't wait to see who they hire. Um, likely it's it is still March, so hopefully they can get somebody in before spring ball. He can get acclimated to um, to the recurrent roster that they have, and you know, kind of pick up where um, kind of pick up where John Scott left off and pick up on the recruits that he maybe had leads on and kind of get well-versed in that because it's we're nine months from signing day. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. If I'm, if I'm a coach, anybody that is anybody that's calling me, asking me to come coach defensive line at Penn state, I am there two seconds after I hang up because this is a defensive front that is going to be good and good for a long time based on, on who they have there. But there's so much more that we need to talk about. We'll talk about it a little bit more here as we wrap this up in the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast after this break. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast and the Esports Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. We've talked about Penn State football. We've talked about NFL Combine. We've talked about basketball and that's still it's still got two sports to talk about kevin it's been a, it was a loaded weekend for the nittany lions uh first i want to touch on hockey uh they lost and i don't want to say heartbreaking fashion because you know watching game three of the quarterfinals this week or uh sunday afternoon you know you, you look at their body of work for the first 30 minutes i thought that they they could have very easily beat ohio state had some cup bounces not go their work and go their way uh, they scored first. Ohio State had two goals wiped off, or it could have been a rout, but they just didn't do enough to win. They might have lost in a Big Ten tam- or tournament, but they're still eligible. Or still, there's still potential for them to make the NCAA tournament at, with an at-large bid. They're number nine in the pairwise rankings, so that matters moving forward, but that could also mean they're off for three weeks. Yeah, and like you said, they didn't get it done in the tournament. It took them three games. Unfortunately, they had to go on the road. Um, but they it's a 16-team tournament. They're number nine in the country right now. They're probably going to be in that 8-10 to 10 spot right now. They're the number 10 team in the country. You lose on the road in a three-game set against the number nine team in the country. So, you know, you're solidly in that pool for being into the tournament. So they get, they're going to have some time off, get some rest and hopefully they can tweak a few things that they want to and probably get healthy. I mean, it's hockey, it's a grind. So everyone's probably bruised up pretty bad. So we'll see what they do come tournament time. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Now, a team that did deliver was wrestling, as always, it seems. Now, what's weird is, and, and this isn't necessarily a shock because 2020 happened uh, in COVID, so there wasn't a Big Ten championship. But for the first time since 2019, the Big Ten wrestling team is, in fact, Big Ten champions. Um, huge. But again, this I hate to, I hate to maybe not necessarily talk down on the Big Ten championship because Big Ten championships matter. But for Penn State wrestling, they don't. Let's be real. As great as it is for Roman Bravo Young and Levi Haynes and Carter Staraki and, and Aaron Brooks, that's great that they're Big Ten champions. Um, and it's also great that the team is a team champion as well, but they don't give a shit about that. They want the national title, and they have a very, very good chance to go out and get it once again. Yeah, and the only thing the Big Ten tournament is good for is getting on is getting bids to the national to the national tournament. So you mentioned the four guys, the four guys that you mentioned, they're conference champs, uh, Max Dean and Greg Kirkvillet. Uh, they had set runner-ups and then three others qualified for the national title uh, bracket, which would be Bo Bartlett, Shane Van Ness, and Alex Fasundo. So you get nine guys to the, nas- to the national tournaments, you have a pretty good shot of probably getting one or two. Shoot, maybe you get four or five national champions at their individual, but you have nine guys in the tournament um, pr- pretty much in every weight class. You have a good t- good shot of bringing home a team national title again as well yeah and that's what that's what they're all about and speaking of wrestlers bo nickel was in action in ufc he's now four and zero in those fights he defeated jamie pickett by first round submission and two uh two minutes 54 into his ufc debut he once again was dominant no matter whether it's on the mat the octagon i have no doubt that he would be dominant in any arena that he stepped into yeah, and I tried to watch the fight today, thinking, you know, it's on ESPN Plus pay-per-view, but last night it was on pay-per-view. I was hoping that this morning I could watch it. Uh, they they try to make you pay for it again. So I was trying to watch it, get caught up. I'm not going to pay, what is it, $80 pay-per-view to watch UFC. Whoa. It's not my biggest, uh, my biggest, uh, it's not my choice sport of entertainment. So, um. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can ask for. Undefeated, first-round submission, pretty dominant fashion. You're getting it done in the first round. And uh, all we can do is wish him the best of luck in his – I mean, he's clearly doing well in his uh, post-college professional career. So can't get much more exciting than that. Right. So now it's March. There's nothing better than the madness that has taken over the country in athletics, whether it's in the NFL, spring ball starting up, obviously March Madness in basketball, um, wrestling, hockey is going at full swing, and spring sports are now starting up. This is the best. This is part of the best time of the year, Kevin. Yeah, we're about to get really busy, and spring ball is going to start up here soon because winter workouts just wrapped up. So, spring ball is right around the corner. We're what fifty or excuse me, forty days away from the uh, from the from the blue white weekend. So. We're about to go into crunch time. It's, I got to love it. Now, we'll have a little bit more analysis from the Big Ten Championship or for a Big Ten tournament, I should say, for basketball coming up next weekend. But I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out my basketball team, the Altoona Area Lady Lions. Uh, won our sub-regional game, 6-10 sub-regional against, or against McDowell uh, Saturday afternoon in Erie, taking on Mount Lebanon uh, out of Pittsburgh here in the first round of the state playoffs on Friday. 
if you guys are in Altoona or local, come out to the field house and play at six o'clock. Got to give a shameless plug for that. But other than that, Kevin, any parting shots? No parting shots. I turned 28 on Tuesday though. So big week. Big week for Kevin. Big week. How are you going to celebrate? Uh, I work six to six. <laughs> Welcome to being an adult. So for this adult and kid friendly podcast, this has been Jared Prugar for Kevin Quigley. We'll talk to you again next week on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. Happy birthday, Kevin. We'll talk to you again next week.